In less than two weeks, distant water fishing nations and Pacific Islands tuna resource owners will gather in Vietnam for the 19th regular session of the Western and Central Pacific Fisheries Commission meeting, also known as the Pacific Tuna Commission. It's one of the most significant meetings for the regional fishery in terms of emerging from the pandemic and with a massive U.S. funding boost expected to be on the agenda. In the lead-up to this, four international organizations have written an open letter to Pacific leaders to adopt a new science-based management strategy for the region. It's directed specifically at the eight island countries who form the parties to the Nauru Agreement, who control the world's largest skipjack tuna fishery. Joining me to talk more about this modern approach is Dave Gershman of the Ocean Foundation and Glenn Holmes from the Butte Charitable Trusts. Nizam Bulvinaka and welcome on Pacific Waves. Starting with you, Glenn, can you explain for us in a nutshell what this new management strategy is? The system that's being considered for Skipjack at the moment is a management procedure, which is essentially pre-agreed rules on how the fishery will be managed into the future, on, on what kind of decisions will be made. Um, based on modelling that incorporates a whole range of uncertainties in, in the fishery. So it's a much more robust, scientifically-based management system. And th- this is ready for impl- implementation, is it? What, where is the uncertainty coming from? So the, the, the state of play at the moment is that everything is in place to have a management procedure agreed at the WCPFC uh, next month when it meets for its annual meeting. But there is concern amongst some of the PNA members um, about actually implementing it straight away. They're a bit nervous about putting it into place. And so they're, what they want to do is say, yes, we'll agree to the system, but we're not going to be bound by it for another six years. That's where we're a bit concerned about how things are playing out, because there is really, to our mind, there is they haven't presented a good enough justification for delaying the implementation and, and not being and not being bound by it. And and so, the reason and the reason the PNA matters is because it is the the sort of the largest fishery for skipjack, isn't it, in terms of that? And also the has probably has the largest sway on the management of skipjack in the Pacific. Oh yes, by far. They they control the largest skipjack fishery in the world by a long way. So yeah, have there been internal discussions behind the scenes to try and get this stuff sorted? I mean, like, this is obviously a very public the, the the letter from all of the NGOs is a very public sort of a uh, space. So I'm, I'm I'm assuming that there have been talks going on behind closed doors that haven't gotten the traction that you guys are are happy with. Yep, that's pretty good summary. I think, um, Dave, what how would you summarize it? Yeah, um, you know I would agree with you. Um, we sent this letter um, from the NGOs to the PNA as well as um, distributed it. And, you know, I think Glenn brought up the one of the concerns um, that the PNA mentioned publicly, which was related to sort of a lack of comfort, comfort in this new approach. And I think, I, I think, sure, that's understandable. This is a new approach, but um, it's been sort of discussed for uh, eight years. And this management procedure approach, it's not like... Um, you know, flying a plane where you put it on autopilot and then the pilot and co-pilot jump out the back door and parachute to earth and let the plane, you know, fly off into the sunset. Uh, this approach still gives managers control over the fishery. There are 
mechanisms that will be in place to regularly review um, the conduct of the management procedure. And so um, we're hoping upon further reflection, um, managers will um, take comfort in this. And even though this is, yes, a new process for WCPFC, um, these management procedures have been used in other fisheries domestically and internationally with, with great success. The re reengagement of the United States in the in the Pacific came with a really big announcement of funding for the Tuna Treaty. Is any of that related to any of this this work? I think I, I think that remains to be seen. Um, what the funding from the U.S. Um, will specifically support, but certainly some of it seems like it will go towards tuna fisheries. Sorry, it was a roundabout way to ask you about. I guess that the the. the what relates to this thing is how much would it cost? Is is cost an issue, a concern in terms of implementing this new management um, style? In, well, I wouldn't say it's a concern. Um, you know, the investment in time, effort, and resources has already been made. The technical work has been done. There's been a lot of resources devoted to this discussion. Um, and so, you know, to make good on those uh, that investment, it, it should be adopted and implemented as soon as possible. What management systems are currently in place and what's the danger or what is the loss from not implementing this new management system um, in November? So, you know, what we're trying to do is go from a, a focus on the past to, to really managing for the future. So right now, uh, a stock assessment is regularly done. It tries to capture the historical status of the stock. And then managers get together periodically to, for the lack of a better word, haggle over what to do um, in response to the information they are they are provided. And it's in an ad hoc way. Um, these negotiations are incredibly time consuming. They generally end, you know, late at night. Um, and under great time pressure. Um, and in those kind of conditions, decisions can be made suboptimally. And we fundamentally don't think um, this type of a system would benefit the largest tuna fishery in the world. Um, and experience has shown that managers can't react fast enough under this way of doing business to cope with the crisis. So the management procedure approach is about future-proofing this fishery. And the future is always more uncertain than the past. So not implementing this management procedure as soon as possible really puts the fishery at the mercy of those uncertainties. And the real benefit of this approach is that you agree on objectives for the fishery and you agree on how you're going to manage it in relation to different levels of uh, biomass. So if the stock does X, your fishery rule is going to do Y. And you've done this in a real transparent way. Um, so everybody knows um, how the management will perform uh, under future conditions. And then you've used a computer simulation called management strategy evaluation to test those rules um, and see how they perform under different uncertainties from, you know, what if we're wrong about how much catch is actually taken? What if we're wrong about the biology of the stock? There's a lot of things that we don't know. There's a lot of uncertainties. And the current way of doing business simply can't accommodate all of those uncertainties 
the management approach, management procedure approach is really modernizing management and really managing to the future. Cool. Did you want to add to that, um, Glenn? Yeah, I'll, I'll add on. So essentially the, 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 the status quo way of managing is a lot riskier than, than going down the Harvest Strategies approach and having a management procedure in place. It's much more open to external factors coming in to influence the management decisions that may not be directly related to the stock that you're talking about. And so that risks political influence on things and that overriding science-based decision-making. And so the management procedure is a much more robust, reliable um, way of doing things than the current system. And so therefore it, it, it therefore it equates to a, a lower risk management approach than the current system. It sounds to me like sitting here knowing how the Pacific works politically, it sounds to me like, do you think that that letting go of that political input into how fisheries are managed might be hindering your great system for management in terms of, I guess, how, i got to be careful what I say here, like how patriotic, I guess, countries are about this, their fisheries and how they run and the different personalities in the region. I think it's not so much the letting go of the political influence angle. Um, I think the impression that I get is that it's more a case of they're reluctant to let go of the way they, they're used to doing things and so and, and going into something new. And we spoke about this last time. It's, it's, I mean, it's human nature to be nervous about taking on a new approach to things. And the economic consequences for some of these countries is so vast that there's obviously a very cautious approach taken to them. And that's, and it, that's one of the reasons why it's taken eight years to get to this point. Um, but it's, to our mind, it's now time to, to try and get past that quote unquote fear of the unknown because it's not really unknown anymore there's been so much so much stakeholder engagement and liaising backwards and forwards and and incorporation of uncertainties that there's really no longer a justification for stalling it